0: Welcome to the JACCP Podcast. My name is Erica Ernst. I'm an Associate Professor in the Department of Pharmacy Practice and Science at the University of Iowa College of Pharmacy. I also serve as an Associate Editor for the Journal of the American College of Clinical Pharmacy. Today we're talking with Doctors Katherine Grunberg and Emily Abdoller. Dr. Grunberg is an Assistant Professor of Clinical Pharmacy at the University of California San Francisco School of Pharmacy. Dr. Abdallah is an assistant professor of medicine at the University of Michigan Medical School. Together with their colleagues, Drs. Bridget O'Brien, Brian Schwarz, and Connor McDougall, they completed an interesting trial to further understand antimicrobial selection reasoning in pharmacists and compare it to the reasoning process of physicians. The results are published in the April 2022 issue of JACCP. The article is titled, How do pharmacists select antimicrobials, a model of pharmacists' therapeutic reasoning process? Catherine and Emily, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you so much for having us, Erica.
0: Yes, this is a wonderful opportunity. Thank you. Absolutely. I'm excited to discuss this article as a pharmacist and as an educator of infectious diseases. Can you briefly describe this study?
1: Yes, so this was a qualitative study that explored the therapeutic reasoning processes of pharmacists when selecting antimicrobials. We conducted 60-minute semi-structured interviews of hospital-based pharmacists that practiced in infectious diseases and other areas such as internal medicine. We had participants review three cases, one on pneumonia, one on cellulitis, and a last one on urinary tract infections with bacteremia. We asked participants to narrate their thoughts on how they would select antimicrobials in each case. Participants were also asked to write out their reasoning process on note cards and arrange them in order. Lastly, we asked participants about the resources they used to support their antimicrobial decision making. We analyzed these transcripts using a code book previously developed by my colleague, Dr. Abdallah, and her colleagues, when they investigated antimicrobial therapeutic reasoning by
0: physicians. That's very interesting. So this was an, uh, sort of an extensive study where... Uh, pharmacists, both infectious disease trained and non-trained, sort of described for you their process of selecting therapy in in different scenarios. Is that is that right?
1: Exactly, that's correct. And we purposely chose both infectious diseases and non-infectious diseases pharmacists to also get a sense of how these reasoning processes could span compared to individuals with that expertise and those practicing in other areas.
0: Interesting. Can you summarize the, the antimicrobial reasoning process that the pharmacist used?
2: So we conducted 11 total interviews, five with infectious diseases pharmacists and, and six with non-infectious diseases pharmacists. And we found that the reasoning process fell into three steps. Naming the syndrome, delineating pathogens, And finally, antimicrobial selection. That first step naming the syndrome involved exploring the diagnosis. Delineating pathogens included gathering information to determine the pathogens responsible for the given infection. And finally, antimicrobial selection involved exploring all the possible options for the patient, including the selection of one antimicrobial that would be used. Participants then described 23 different factors that influenced this reasoning process, and we categorized those factors into four different groups. There were pre-existing patient characteristics, things like past medical history and social history. There were current case features, um, which included things like the severity of illness and the available microbiologic data, if any. Provider and health system factors, things like the clinical experience and preferences of the pharmacist and team dynamics. And then finally, treatment principles. So directing the treatment towards the pathogen, making evidence-based decisions, etc. I see.
0: So three steps and 23 factors influencing those steps. That's a lot of process, a lot of, of reasoning happening. Can, can you describe how this differed between pharmacists and physicians?
1: Absolutely. So we noticed that there were, for example, some new factors that our participants mentioned that we previously had not detected in physicians' So, for example, our participants mentioned teen dynamics as a factor that would influence their antimicrobial selection. This included things like working with prescribers to understand case features that might affect antimicrobial selection. We believe that this particular factor really illustrates the collaborative role of pharmacists in antimicrobial decision-making with other healthcare providers.
0: Absolutely. I I agree. I think it's it's been, you know, clear that pharmacists have developed a a role as part of an antimicrobial stewardship team in many instances or in the case of internal medicine, maybe an internal medicine team and that that having that identified by pharmacists as opposed to seeing physicians um, maybe less likely to identify that. Were there any other processes that were different between pharmacists and physicians?
2: So there were a few factors that were not mentioned by our PharmD uh, participants, but were mentioned by the MDs in the previous study. Uh, the main ones were likelihood of follow-up patient preferences, supporting trainee choices, and safety in pregnancy. We thought that the first two, the likelihood of follow-up and patient preferences, may have been due to the fact that uh, our participants were reasoning through these scenarios, keeping their own practice patterns in mind, which is a hospital setting where the pharmacist uh, may not have or may only have limited direct contact with patients. the trainee choices was interesting, but we really felt like that was subsumed under the team dynamics factor um, that Dr. Grunberg just described, really taking into account uh, different providers' preferences and supporting the choices of physicians whenever safe and possible, which is what the MDs described that they did in terms of supporting their trainee choices. So there were a lot of parallels there. And I will say that It was was really interesting and I think confirming to see that the general steps of the antimicrobial reasoning process were, in this study, were the same as those described by physicians, the naming the syndrome, delineating pathogens, and antimicrobial selection. And so it starts to provide a lot of evidence for this being a legitimate cognitive process that different kinds of clinicians engage in when making these choices.
0: That is interesting and maybe future exploration of different uh, sort of prescribers uh, process or different uh, practitioners, whether they uh, engage in a similar process may be interesting. Could you also comment on the early script filtering that you noticed in pharmacists and compare that uh, with physician prescribing or reasoning, excuse me?
1: Absolutely. So what we noticed when we were interviewing our pharmacist participants is that occasionally they would use certain patient or case features to narrow treatment options even before naming the syndrome. So for example, our pharmacist participants would take a look at the case, read through it, and note, oh, this patient has a sulfa allergy described as anaphylaxis. That automatically is going to rule out sulfamethoxazole trimethoprim. So even before identifying the particular diagnosis, we noticed some pharmacists would start to rule out certain medication options based on factors like allergies, renal function, etc. cetera. And we felt that this also aligned with the pharmacist's role in making sure that medications are both safe and appropriate for patients. Potentially helping to reduce downstream cognitive load by minimizing the number of potential options up front before getting into the additional details of the diagnosis and the microbes involved.
0: I found that interesting as well. Finally, can you explain how you feel this framework will be applied to benefit patients or prescribers or, or other groups? Well, Dr. Grunberg and I are are both educators. We identify
2: as educators as one of our primary roles in an academic setting. And so we have been really excited to think about how delineating this process and determining the different factors involved can be used by educators to help teach learners how to reason through therapy choices, including... Um, engaging in interprofessional education and practice. And so instead of it being so much of an emphasis on diagnostic reasoning, which of course is important, there's a lot of complexity, perhaps even more so, in the choice of therapy and giving learners a framework to think about, to help them understand, you don't need to have everything memorized, but you need to understand what the different categories are, what the steps are, where your gaps might be, where to find that information. That can really help carry learners through to making logical
0: choices uh, in each case. Absolutely. We find in clinical practice so much time discussing patients is spent on, on the diagnostic piece, which is so important. But as you say, a full discussion of the therapeutic reasoning processes is important to patient safety and patient care as well. Thank you both for joining us today. Thank you for having us. Our pleasure.